Hello and welcome to episode 321 of the Fabulous Pelton wow. Cast. I'm your co-host Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carcino. And we are once again coming to you from Renton, Washington. Hello! Home of the Super Bowl 48 Jeffy and Seattle Seahawks. I'm back. We did not manage to record while I was in Las Vegas this week, but uh, it worked out perfectly because it allowed us to save this for the Mariners continuing their winning streak. It's a semi-emergency pod, but first, let's get to this week's beer and this week's toasts. We have from our friends at Silver City Brewing, the Irresistible Bliss Strawberry Vanilla IPA. Like dessert in a pint glass, Irresistible Bliss is a deliciously dense and decadent hazy IPA that incorporates milk sugar for a sweet and fluffy texture, further enhanced by natural vanilla and strawberry essence. If it tastes anything like the strawberry frosting, then we're, we're in for a treat, I'd like, I'd like to think. I had one bite of strawberry frosty. That was it? I, I don't... I, just, I, I had a full strawberry frosty. For so, I'm just a broken human being. Um, <laughs> and Can confirm. I can eat ice cream, but it has to be, it either has to be like the most decadent thing in the entire world or not at all. Or I'm like, I'm not going to take on the calories unless I've got like fucking chocolate cookie dough chunks in there and brownie bits and like fudge. I'm just like, give me everything or give me nothing. This in-between bullshit is not cutting it for me. So I had one bite and I was like, that's great. It tastes like strawberry quick. Let's go. It does taste exactly like strawberry quick. Can confirm. Had that's that, all I need. That, grabbed a four for four at uh, about 1230 AM last night after I got back off my Yeah, you my did. Flight. That sounds great. Yeah. Do you do the JBC or the double stack? Uh, junior bacon cheese. I always ride for the JBC. Well, that's the only option on the four for four menu. I'd be at the uh, SeaTac location. They they changed it. See, they don't do four for and four the, anymore. They do f- now the junior bacon cheese. They do a junior cheeseburger. Wow, I know way too much about the women's menu. <laughs> Thank you. They do a junior cheeseburger four for four. Then everything else is like a biggie meal five for five. Yeah. Well, I, it's four four for five. You don't get a fifth thing. <laughs> A high five. <laughs> you don't get a fifth item, but it just sounds better saying five for five. It does. I agree. Uh, and so that that's where they moved the junior bacon cheeseburger and the double stack to. Okay. Good to know. I mean, I didn't really <laughs> know enough about the Biggie box. If there's any other fast food that you want me to break down, I think Wendy's is probably the fast food that I know the most about. That was the first time I had gone to Wendy's myself. Probably since pre-pandemic. Really? Oh, yeah. You should try having children and have ice cream be a normal menu item. <laughs> be able to replace a drink with ice cream. I mean, it's still a great. It's great for me, too, as someone who does not drink pop. So, all right, let's get to our toast. Starting with a congratulations to Julio Rodriguez. Hello. Selected for his first All-Star appearance as the Mariners' lone representative for the game to be played next Tuesday at Dodger Stadium. I could have given some takes about that, too. I didn't even think about that. The snubs! <laughs> Ty France, snubbed. And Logan Gilbert? I have, I have no particular take. You have, they were snubbed? I have no particular take. Wow, okay. Staying on the All-Star front, it's an All-Star-themed toast this week. Congrats to Jordan Morris and Raul Ruiz Diaz, who were named MLS All-Stars. That team will take on the Liga MX All-Stars on August 10th at Alliance Field in St. Paul. It's the first All-Star appearance for Morris, which is kind of hard to believe. And the second for Rui Diaz. Nico Ladero snubbed here. Oh, snubbed. <laughs> uh, 
congrats to Kelsey Plum, who was voted MVP of the WNBA All-Star Game after tying the All-Star record with 30 points as Team Wilson defeated Team Stewart 134-112 on Sunday. Uh, of course, went viral for the small scale of the WNBA All-Star Game MVP trophy, which was positively dainty. What? You didn't see this? They had a tiny trophy? A tiny trophy. I really hate that. Why do you do that to yourself, WNBA? I think they had to have to have been shamed into a better MVP trophy for next year. What? Who, who was behind this? Karen Bryant? He's <laughs> like, how much money are we spending on trophies? Get on some slacks, you motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jewel Lloyd set an all-star I'm record. literally responding to a work email. I don't <laughs> With seven three-pointers. Uh, you should save that for the Saturday section. For Team Stewart, <laughs> accounting for all 21 of her points. Well, Captain Brianna Stewart had 14 points. Stewart handed out six assists in her final All-Star appearance. So, okay, Luca played in a baseball tournament this past weekend. Okay. Third place by default because the other team went home. <laughs> <laughs> they probably would have won anyway, but they, they, they got a by forfeit. Uh, and then so they gave them a trophy for third place. Or whatever, and I was joking. Have you looked up the WNBL Star Trophy yet? Is it bigger? Or I I think it might. I based upon your description, it's gotta I be bigger. I feel like than that. the no. like random children's third place trophy for the nine U bracket or whatever. Like it wasn't like they won the entire tournament with every age range. They got third for one age range, and I thought the trophy was it was semi significant. But I did mention I was like, oh, each kid gets one day with it, uh, <laughs> and I was like, it's not even worth it though because there's not a cup. Oh, if it's not a cup, Stop what's the point? Stop making trophies, people, and start making cups. Cosine. <sighs> All right, lastly this week, on a Saturn note, we are pouring some of this irresistible bliss out for the original Maono location in West Seattle. I'm happy that wasn't a real pour week. one out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be Just after, after we pour out, now in some somber news. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, co-owner Mark Fuller told the Seattle Met, uh, told Seattle Met Magazine Hangouts. he's ready to move forward as he reopens the Admiral Benbow Room Bar in West Seattle. Uh, good news here. Mono Fried Chicken locations will continue to operate in Rituals Ginger Beer spaces, including, this article said, the planned reopening of the Capitol Hill location that's been closed since, I think, 2020. Uh so we're going to still be able to get Seattle's best sandwich, the Mono Fried Chicken Sandwich. Fuller also said they plan to eventually sell chicken for delivery from Admiral Benbow Room. I'm hoping also some takeout there what since do they they're do? in West Seattle. What, what type of food is Admiral Benbow Room? Apparently all they're serving currently is hot dogs. <laughs> He's like, it's time to move forward and focus on the glizzies. I mean, uh, no, also Fuller's still got the other restaurants going. Uh, Supreme, notably, he was he was it was the Fourth of July, and he was just like that was that was a mockery, a mockery. I think the dipping of, hot dogs in water. We're moving to high quality hot dogs again. I think the theme, the focus here is on the drinks rather than the food, which I, is funny. Yes, coming from one of Seattle's best chefs, but that's the plan. <sighs> so, hopefully, I can still get the fried chicken in West Seattle. That would that would significantly diminish having moved there in my eyes, if not. Uh, very sad. The first ever mile in a location we ever went to. Uh, definitely, you know, the, the, the only real brick and mortar Maono location uh, outside of a Rachel's, but maybe it works better in conjunction with a Rachel's, maybe more so than it does as a standalone restaurant. I mean, obviously Maono was thriving pre-pandemic, but I think like a lot of restaurants had a more difficult time 
after that, that element of the business was not as, as centered, I guess I would say. So they never came back, I think, to the full menu that they had before, which was disappointing because, I mean, that was a place where, like, that would regularly where I would be where I would go for my birthday dinner to Maona. So love things besides the fried chicken sandwiches, but glad those are still available. With that... I also wanted to mention Pagliacci, obviously sponsors for this podcast, uh, but uh, just such great people and hooked it up big time. You'll see with uh, the best band since Oasis potentially releasing something next week uh, in conjunction with our friends at Pagliacci, just like the finest people on the face of the earth. You know what I mean? At no point does Pagliacci say it's time to move forward from making the best pizza in all of uh, Seattle. It's well, it does to Pagliacci as always. People have asked about a search for Seattle's best pizza and there's no search. It's done. I've said, if we're going to do something, it's a search for Seattle's best slice. And we pit the different, Pagliacci slices against each other. Yeah, we've talked about that. That's good, good spawn con. That's, uh, we'll, we'll get that someday. All right, with that, I think it's time to turn up the temperature to 11 on these takes. Don't burn yourself. We got Mariner's hot takes coming at you. Well, I don't know if you've watched the latest Stranger Things season or been on, been up on what's going on. But there's a song from a couple of decades ago that randomly got brought to the forefront of the culture that people were shocked how it seemed to fit so perfectly with modern times. It encapsulated everything that we're feeling in the year 2022, possibly even more than it did when it was initially released. We are running up that hill that some people have even suggested that it's the song of summer 2022. And I couldn't agree more. That's why the song of the summer was played by Carlos Santana. <laughs> because his hitting has been so smooth. Man, this last weekend was a hot one. You know what it was like. Like seven inches from the midday sun? You seem like you didn't even know what it was like. And if you said Carlos's hitting ain't good enough, he would give his world to lift us up. And when he cracked those dingers this weekend, it was the same as the emotion that I got from Junior. He's got the kind of hitting that can be so smooth. Give me a win, make it real, or else forget about it. I believe when, we, when the man was traded for Carlos Santana, you said that people were making too many references to the song. I gave it up. I gave it up. Here's not enough to, oh yeah, come on. It, dude, <laughs> here's the thing. You hit in back-to-back games, basically game-winning homers, borderline walk-off homers. I think they're both in the eighth. All of a sudden, you give me smooth by Rob, Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20 and Carlos Santana. It's I'm a- down for it. You give me any of it. But the thing that I learned... I learned an important thing today that has actually been lost to the sands of time. Wait, wait, by the way, is there a baseball player named Rob Thomas? Could the Mariners somehow get Whoa. a Rob Thomas and a Carlos Santana on the roster together? It would be worth it. 162 and up. Even though they've already lost games. 
the line that played by Carlos Santana is not from the song Smooth. <laughs> Wait, what is it from? It's from Maria Maria, which oh, was yeah. on the same yeah, Carlos Santana sense. comeback album. But I have chosen to believe <laughs> that they are part of the same song. And you're, that song together is the song of the summer. You're interpolating it into <laughs> Carlos. And, wow, amazingly, there's never been a player named Rob Thomas in Major League Baseball that history. How actually is that plausible? not be true. Not even a minor league player named Rob Thomas. Oh, okay. There are there has been some minor league players named Rob Thomas. I am sure that's the most baseball player name that there is. I I, I agree. It's like uh, I was wondering the other. I'd forgotten the existence of another Johnny Davis, who was a longtime NBA player and coach, and like was went to add Johnny Davis to my NBA player database the other day, and was like, oh, oh, he's not the first. I told you how to name these players. You just named them no relation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kenny Lofton Jr., no relation. That's but, the name. So is it Scotty Pippen Jr. relation? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, he's just Scotty Pippen Jr. All right. Well, we should lose the thread here, which is that the hottest team in baseball, in probably all of sports right now, are your Seattle Mariners. I don't know how it's happened. I wanted to look this up. So the 11-game winning streak, second longest in franchise history. Yes, since 2001. The other one being in 2001. Yes. The the longest win streak being in 2001. By the way, you kind of Not misdirected me. Not the season me. of record, weirdly. For some reason, I didn't think you were going the Carlos Santana route. I thought you were going to make a reference to... Win Forever? Who Let the Dogs Out. Oh. <laughs> since that was the song, of the, like the, the Mariners team song in 2001, oh you'll recall. The, uh, here's here's another take that I was thinking about, though. Is this is what Pete Carroll means by win forever. Wow. Yeah. Winning forever well, means that the Mariners are going to win forever. They will never lose a game ever again. I mean, were you watching that game earlier this week or earlier today? Anyway, uh, no, finish, finish the timeline stuff. Finish the timeline stuff because I want to talk about how they've won these games. Okay. Well, you know who has never won 11 games in his Seahawks coaching wow. has in he, a row? He must have at USC at some point. I mean, they went undefeated. That's like 13 and 0. They've been undefeated country, multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah no, like, he's got a couple of big girls 10 championships. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> they beat Texas in the Rose Bowl, which is going to be a thing. Or they lost to Texas in the Rose Bowl, I should yeah. say, which is normally going to be a thing going forward. Yes. Uh, you know, they're still in different I know. Okay. But the joke would be that the SEC would play in the Rose Bowl against the Big Ten mm-hmm. uh, once the Pac 12 no longer exists. Uh, if it's any consolation for you, the Rose Bowl won't exist anymore. Oh, it is not any consolation to me. Uh, it's the longest winning streak in major Seattle pro sports since the Seattle Storm won 13 in a row in 2010 wow. on route to the WNBA title. Uh, the Seahawks' only 11-game winning streak came during... 2006. 2005. Or five. The, 2006 the, Super Bowl. That's the year that where they started out 2-2. Two and two. That is correct. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They started out 2-2 two and two and finished 13-3, and three, right? And then won in 11 in a row, including the game beating Peyton Manning oh, in yeah. the Colts. Or not and, Peyton and the, Manning in the Colts? I not, forget. That was Jim Sorge in the yeah, Colts. on Christmas Eve, which I left furious because Sean Alexander scored a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> they should have passed, So the, the Seahawks won 11 in a row then? Yes. And then so they this, lost week 17? That sounds right. They probably had nothing to play for at that point. Uh, the Sonics had three game winning streaks of 11 or more, most recently in November 96, coming off the finals appearance. Two of the three came in calendar 1996. Wow. Because they won 14 in like the spring of That's why you're still wearing your Griffey in 96 shirt. This is, this is the Griffey in 16 shirt, technically. Oh, God. But this is like... Man, I wish, wish that things had turned out a little I, bit differently. I know. <laughs> Think about how much better Griffey's platform would have been. <laughs> a lot of... 
lot of what ifs there. Uh, but that's how excited I am about the Mariners that I broke out the Griffey and 16 shirt. Uh, the Naturally, the Sounders and Rain have never won 13 consecutive. No MLS or NWSL team has ever won 13 consecutive. So how many, consecutive. how many did the Sonics win at their peak? 14. 14. So the Mariners need to win... Well, I guess they have to, they have to beat their own record, which was... 15 in I, 2001? I got to look that up. I just, I just saw that it was the second longest. So... But to, to be part of major Seattle sports winning streaks, they have to win another four in a row. Yes, major pro sports, because obviously UW football has won many more than 11, 15 in a row. In like the, the 1920s or what? Well, they won, I, I don't know what the exact number was, but you, you'll recall they went 12-0 in 1991, uh -huh. then won, I believe, the first eight games in 1992 before they lost at Arizona, something like that. So it was... And then they won the Rose Bowl the previous year. So it was at least a 22-game win wow. streak. Wow, that sounds like the type, type of team that should be in the whack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not good enough boy. for the Big Ten. Uh, Look, I, I get it. Look, it Rutgers has like better history. I understand. Anytime soon. Nobody can compare it to Mike White. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you need to film more. It's taking longer to find this uh, streak <laughs> How long the Mariners' win streak was? Well, I wanted to mention... <clears throat> Just how they're winning these games, right? Oh, I typed in Mariners franchise history. No wonder. No wonder I didn't find it. You literally just typed in Mariners franchise history, and uh, it was just a bunch of L's. It's been a <laughs> while. <laughs> it's been a long week. It was both the combination yeah, of... Yeah, it was 15. 15, okay. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's in sight. The longest win streak in Seattle, major Seattle sports, pro, pro Seattle sports history. It's, it's insight. They'd have to even pick it up back on the other side of the All-Star break. But we talked about this before. Having all of the injuries that they've had surmount at the beginning of the season, it felt like, I mean, we did a take two weeks ago or whatever about how people wanted them to do more as an organization to, to basically win now. And all of a sudden, we're in this position where it's like, in these next two weeks, if there are moves to be made, the Mariners probably should be pretty all-in on the season because making the playoffs is important here. Obviously, you're not going to trade anybody like Julio or somebody like that. You're not going to leverage the future too much. But you look at it and you say... Yeah, we've traded enough Julio, uh, rookie outfielders named Julio at the trade deadline. It's a little different. Just <laughs> be fair, uh, Julio Cruz Jr. <laughs> not relation. Not. Definitely not an all-star in his rookie season and in the home run derby. That is correct. I didn't even mention the home run derby. Uh, even if it is a sham that there weren't two other Mariners in the All-Star game. But, but I mean, the Mariners were, they were riding hard for the Ty France All-Star thing. And I was like, damn, if I was Julio, I'd be like, that's dope. But like, oh, wait, were they riding hard for it before this week? Like two weeks ago, they were riding huh. hard as like vote Ty France as an All-Star. And then boom, Julio's the All-Star. And it's like, guess what? There's a, there's, there's a new center fielder in town. Right, this is Julio Rodriguez. With the absence of Russell Wilson, is the most important. Let's say with Subert retiring at the end of this year as well, he is the most important athlete in the city of Seattle. With Russell Wilson being traded, after after Russell Wilson and with Sue retiring, Julio Rodriguez is it. He's number one, twenty-one years old, excluding nobody. Exclu I mean, who would you exclude? Raul well, Ruiz Diaz. Like, yeah, are you Brianna kidding Stewart. me? What? Brianna Stewart. Uh, but it, still, the impact. Might also leave. What? Might also leave. Brianna Stewart might also leave, but also just the cultural impact that Julio has. Like, Julio Rodriguez, realistically, is probably the most important 
athlete in the city of Seattle at the moment, excluding nobody as it is. Yeah. Uh, the Huskies won, won 40 consecutive games. 40 consecutive? As part of a 64-game unbeaten streak. <laughs> okay, not quite, not quite in the Mariners' sights. <laughs> they pull that off. We're going to have some incredible high. There's going to be a but lot of emergency pods. With coming, coming off of the brawl in Anaheim, which yeah. really ignited things. They were playing well beforehand. I love that we sort of look at that as like the inflection point, the before and after the brawl. But oh, the Mariners were playing nice, well beforehand. It's a nice thing for like reporters in particular to latch on to, narratively speaking. To see the direction that the Angels have gone and the direction that the Mariners are gone, have gone. I think that was going to happen anyway. But with suspensions for Winker, J.P. Crawford, Julio Rodriguez, right? Basically, all their star hitters having France out for a chunk of time. Kyle Lewis still not playing. Mitch Haniger, who was their best hitter last year, not even be present on the team for the last two months. There's talk about him being back before the end of the month. Like, if you would have approached the season and the Mariners are doing what we expected them to do this year, we thought there was a good chance. I don't know if we expected that. But we before the season, if you would have been like, the Mariners are 47 and 42. And with a one-game lead for the second wild card right now, none of us would be like, you're shitting me. Yeah, I mean, that's not like, oh, wow. Like, it was like that last year when they were yes. 46 and 42 at this point of the season. But also, guess what? There's one more wild card this year. Well, that's, <laughs> that is true. But also, There have been those rule changes that they needed. <laughs> they got the new offense and the new defense. But also, run differential. Is here. It's not just fun differential this time. They're number six in the AL with a plus 28 run differential. That was the other thing I was going to mention about how they're winning these games, though, is they are crushing teams sometimes. There's comeback wins, but it's not even like, I mean, this weekend was one run comeback wins, but it wasn't at the expense of the This was Thursday night. But you know what? It really helps your run differential. What? When you win every game. <laughs> yes. It's pretty hard to have a bad run differential. You can't have a negative they run differential. They did it last year. Winning streak. They had the exact they same record. Yes, but they, the, the stretch here has been very positive for their <laughs> win, run differential. Is what I'm saying. I mean, you look at fan graphs at this time last year, even though they had the same record, fan graphs playoff percentage for them. Again, one more playoff team this year was like 1%. It had to be a little higher than that, didn't it? I don't think it was past 1% at this point. Oh, well, I'm going to have to do some research on it, that. It was depressingly low. Having already confirmed, by the way, it was a 22-game winning streak for the Huskies between 1990 and 1992, and they were in fact 8-0. So just, just as a reminder, in case you question my memory. I, t- I guess I didn't. <laughs> you never do. The other funny thing is, like, I was I poo pooed it a couple weeks ago when we talked about the Mariners. It was like, oh, okay, well, they beat the A's and they beat the Orioles, and now the Orioles have won ten games. In oh a row. yeah, that's my other team. They're forty eight <laughs> and forty two, and fifty five percent chance to make the playoffs. Like the last time that the Mariners had a fifty five percent chance to make the playoffs. It was probably, it was two terms before King Griffey Jr. served his first term, <laughs> right? We're probably going back to 2001. Which would have been his second term had he run for his second term at that in point. In 96? Yeah. No. <laughs> this, is, but this is when he ran in 16. <laughs> I don't know if he was old enough in 96. That is, that is accurate. He was definitely not old I think that may have come up in the commercials. Also, I definitely remember there was a, who was the presidential candidate who was talking about the flat tax? Ross Perot? No, after Perot. We'll have to look that up as well. We had a lot to look up. <laughs> All you're doing is looking up and making oh. me talk about the Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and then Diego Castillo. Okay, think about him. 
<laughs> Here's a guy. But also you look at it and Kellenic's hitting well at AAA. Like there, there's stuff happening. The Mariners still have Matt Brash and they move to the bullpen. I think probably fairly confusingly at this point that they decide to do that. But it's like there are good young players in the pipeline leading up to this. It's not like this is it. You know, they haven't leveraged their future. It was a 2% playoff odds last year when they were 46 and 42. So that, that's exactly what I'm saying. It yep. is a 50, the, the, they're 48 and 42 now. Right. But it is a 53% difference. But that would have been the high point of their record, right? Or at 46. that point? I don't know. They have, they have almost as high of a chance to win the World Series right now, 1.2%, as they did last year to make the playoffs. That is pretty wild. It's all happening. It is all happening in the city of Seattle. And the most amazing thing about it is they're never going to lose again. <laughs> See, when you say this, it's going to make it sound like a jinx pod. Uh, Steve Forbes is the one who was featured in those, those ads debating Griffey. Uh, do we have anything else on the Mariners? I, I'd feel like this is the, there was the one series at the end of last season when you got a delicious Pagliacci pizza and watched the entire nine inning. Sat and watched nine innings of a Mariners game. That was the, I, I, we really felt like it was like the energy never waned the entire off season for the Mariners, even through the lockout or whatever. And then it was gone. That's the thing that's kind of shocking about it is like the Mariners struggled at the beginning of the year and it was over. And now I think people are, again, most excited about the Mariners they've been since 2001. We're so close to me just jumping off the bandwagon completely. That's how much, <laughs> that's how excited people are about this team. I'm, I'm this close to hating Julio Rodriguez. I feel like it's different this time around because you, ha- you had to start on the bandwagon to jump off the bandwagon. And now you are part of the bandwagon. I hate to break it to you. How dare you? <laughs> Since when have you been? A, how long have you been a Mariners fan for? Me? Yeah. Uh, well, there was the last year when they were forty-six and forty-two. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. <laughs> That's when I started learning. I just, I'll never Mariners forget fan. you going through the opening day roster last year, naming names of players, <laughs> and me being even, like, I even knew more of those players than you did. It's like, who the fuck are these? I mean, Ty France was one of the people that I hadn't heard of. Like, Yeah, I don't know if I'd heard, I've heard of Ty France at that point. It was players who ended up being kind of core players for the Mariners for their first playoff team since 2001. Please, this needs to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Please do it for the takes. That might be the longest we've talked about the Mariners consecutively in a long time. I mean, we've never once done a Mariners emergency pod. Uh, no, in fact, there's no, well, the only thing that we've ever done is the Robinson Cano slash Chris Peterson emergency podcast. But that wouldn't, that wasn't getting a podcast. If It was a Chris it Peterson would, podcast that Robinson Cano, Cano no, happened to also sign with the Raiders. Uh, should we talk about Las Vegas food? Sure. You seemed very angry about my post. What, what was it in particular? <laughs> it was the Momofuku that shut you off, yeah, wasn't that it? Was, <laughs> that, sh- that set me up. <laughs> I was like, walk a flock of flame in the comments on ES- NBA on ESPN Instagram. Oh, wait, what? Did you see that? No. They I posted s- your little, let's talk about that first. You okay. just literally going on record talking shit about Dame Lillard or whatever. Like he didn't wave goodbye to Oklahoma City. He literally 
ended their franchise. They're folded. They're gone now. Oh, they, they drafted this fucking skinny dude. You should see him. You should see what he looks like playing basketball. Kenny Lofton Jr., no relation, bullied him. That's who. That's the state that this organization is in because of Dame Lillard. Jalen Williams was also kind of like the most surprisingly impressive person I saw at Summer League. Who? Well, they have two guys named Jalen Williams on their roster. On the Thunder roster? Yeah, they drafted two of them this year. But I'm referring here to the Santa Clara guard they drafted, number 12 overall, not the Arkansas center they drafted in the second round. So He was pretty good, though. He was very good. It's Summer League. I don't care. Did Chet even play well after that? He didn't play as dominantly offensively, but the, I heard the Paolo was better. There. I heard Keegan Murray was better. I heard Jabari was better. Keegan Murray did probably have a better game yesterday than Chet did. Keegan Murray was very impressive. I mean, but Paolo wasn't? Paolo, uh, I think I think Chet probably ultimately got the better of that matchup. Really? To the extent that, you know, you can really define. I mean, the cool thing is that, like, all these guys have been guarding each other the entire time. Like, they even started the other Jalen Williams yesterday so that Chet Holmgren would defend Keegan Murray. So, like, we've gotten a lot of head to action. Well, the other thing, actually, I'm sorry, I don't know what I'm talking about. we Pello did not win the matchup against Chet because Pello didn't come to play. What do you mean? He sat that game out. Oh. Orlando Orlando shut him down after his first two games. Pello so. played very well, though. Pello, yeah, no, he did great. Uh, my big takeaway was, like, Pello is enormous. You like, don't even was, watch the games. He, Waka Flocka Flame was right. <laughs> what did Waka Flocka Flame? Okay, we're not, getting, we're not doing that yet. We kind of somehow went from blizzards to thunder summer league. <laughs> It was confusing. I always knew to trust Waka Flocka Flame. <laughs> he goes hard in the motherfucking paint. I can't dispute that. Uh, yeah, what, what was I? What, you, were, you were talking shit about Dame Lillard. So I wrote that story very carefully because I, I recall that when Not Russell... Not that carefully. When Russell Westbrook... When, um, let me explain. When Russell Westbrook signed his extension with the Thunder in, I want to say, 2017... I wrote a piece saying that that contract might eventually not age very well. I remember that. God, that was that was one of my favorite moments. And Thunder fans were not very pleased that I had rained on their parade. Uh-huh. Notwithstanding the fact that I was 100% right in totality, <laughs> I understood that sentiment. It's a happy day for them. So when I wrote the Damian Lillard reaction on Saturday or Sunday or whatever would, day that was. Why would they be happy about extending a player, though? Like, he already was locked up for... Well, that's, I mean, that's a strange thing is, yes. There the was only person a lot of who should be happy was Damian Lillard, which if Dame, if Dame is happy, I'm happy. But I think it's safe to say that there were, was an understanding between Dame Lillard and the organization that if he was going to remain with the franchise, that it would be under an extension and otherwise that there might be a trade that Damian Lillard would not be in Portland anymore. So once they sort of committed to keeping Damian Lillard, this extension was understood to be part of it, expected. Uh, so I wrote this one line about how like he's probably not going to be worth 35% of the salary cap at age 35 and 36 or 36 and 37, whichever the exact year that is. Uh, then I wrote a couple of paragraphs about how great it is that Dame will will undoubtedly become the greatest player in franchise history if he's not already. He's going to pass Clyde Drexler to be the all-time leading scorer. He'll pass Drexler and Terry Porter to become the all-time leading assister. Uh, when the particular story was surfaced on social media by, 
ESPN social media team, those paragraphs did not appear. They know what's up. They know what they're doing. Only the the, the sentence that talked, the two sentences that talked about how it was not likely to be a good value for the team were highlighted. You so did. I can understand why the reaction of people who inevitably didn't read the entire piece in context on ESPN Plus was what it was. <laughs> NBA on ESPN Instagram did its job. <laughs> there, there was a lot of there was a lot of engagement with that post. Is there? I feel there has to be a lot of engagement with every post, right? Or is that one higher than normal? I, I mean, I, 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 I don't know for sure. Uh, Patrick Beverly, Pat I saw Bev, I see no lies detected. <clears throat> You're not helping here, Pat Bev. I know. It's it's pretty pretty fun to have Pat Bev on your side. But so I was scrolling through. I was looking for the blue check marks. My ESPN calling Pat Bev. Uh, the dude Bosnian beast. Nurk commented. Nurk, all I see is Pat Bev jealousy and crying. Okay, yeah. Hashtag just, guess... small dogs. Hashtag always barking. He was only concerned about Pat Bev. Yeah, not he wasn't you. really worried with me. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I feel like it's a little bit closer. But then there's walk a flock of flame, <laughs> and he says, "Kevin, you are not a real one." In my Maury voice, huh? In his Maury voice. I gotta say, Daryl's probably on my side. No, like Maury Povich, oh. not Daryl Maury. I don't oh. think "Walk a Flock of Flame" is referencing Daryl Maury. This isn't fucking like what's the, what's your little conference called? The Sloan Conference. The Sloan. This ain't the Sloan Conference. People ain't talking about Daryl Maury like he's a celebrity. What you should have said it's it's not Little Dicky who would have been referencing that that Maury. Would he? He appeared at the Sloan Conference. He's a Philly sports fan. Okay, we're talking about a real rapper right now. We're not talking about Little Dicky. I'm just saying. Lil Dicky has not been known to go hard in the motherfucking paint. I'm just saying there's an overlap between the rap world and, and Sloan Conference. And what world is Lil Dicky in? I thought he was an actor. <laughs> You're lucky, though, because NBA and ESPN just post constantly. So the, the conversation moved on. Yeah, I mean, only got one hate DM about it. Maybe two. <laughs> so that was because they, didn't, that's, they also that's the, didn't. That's the people of Portland, though. I will give it to the people of Portland. They, that's not what they're about. Lakers fans, you would have had tons of hate DMs. No, it's because they didn't tag me. Uh, it would have been a lot of work. All right, can okay. we talk about the food I ate in Las Vegas? <laughs> you, would have, you would have been like, I love you, Portland. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I really tried my best on that one. Uh, <clears throat> Waka Flock is not impressed. You're not a real one. So obviously the two places that have been at the, the top of my Las Vegas food power rankings for the past year have been Momofuku number one. <laughs> And Lotus of Siam. kind of tired? No. Like to be at the top of your rankings? No. Okay. Not at all. Uh, so I'm going to a place, you know, I'm going to Nashville next weekend, which I was told is the best restaurant in all of Nashville. Wait, you're going to Husk? I'm going to Locust. Oh, okay. Is that also uh, Sean Brock? Mm, I don't think so, no. Ah, interesting. I, I felt like that was the. What end. are the names of these restaurants? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to Husk? <laughs> Well, it sounds like the trophy when UW joins the uh, Big Ten and plays against it is Sean Brock. So they're they're sister restaurants. That makes sense. Uh, so Momofuku, we had a group of twelve of us at dinner, which maybe expanded to fourteen at some point. Wow, when Waka Flocka showed up, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which made it, it was nice because we were able to do two large format dishes, oh, both damn. a Bosom pork shoulder and the duck. The duck was pretty fantastic. Was that the bosom that you posted where it's just the little like shaved pieces of meat? Or you just got no, a that's bunch? that's the duck. Oh, that's the duck? Damn, that looked really good. Well, we also, so <clears throat> they told us, and I don't know if I've heard this before, but we had such a large group. Like you can just send set a price number for 
us and give us some parameters. I'm this being the the brainchild of Trevor Moran, Catbird Seat Chef Trevor Moran. <clears throat> hmm. I don't know. That's. I guess maybe not. All right. Uh, oh, I see. The, the Sean Brock thing was a reference to a, his <coughs> restaurant being part of the Nashville food scene. All right. So I scratched that from the record. Uh, uh, so the so we did that for everything besides the large format dishes. And my one parameter was we got to have buns for everyone because obviously those are a highlight. <laughs> the pork belly buns. So you're at the table. You're like buns for everyone. <laughs> I mean, I think I was the only person in the group who had been there before. Maybe there had what? been some others. It was a lot of first timers. Where was Nate Duncan at? Uh, he was he was already home by this point. Uh, so we also tried. I think they have like a. Uh, one of them was a salmon salmon tartare. I forget what the other one was. Another fish dish that had like shaved foie gras on it. That was pretty incredible. I think that was tuna with foie gras. That was pretty good. So recommend that. Also thought the Brussels sprouts were surprisingly good. Oh, dude, I Brussels never, sprouts are top. I never have ordered that on my own. but Oh, yeah. Brussels sprouts are God tier, S tier level food. Uh, went to <clears> Lotus of <throat> Siam the next night with a group. Four of us ate together. How, how much was the bill when you said there were 14 of you? Did you get to see the overall bill? I mean, it was it was triple digits per person, so you you can extrapolate from there. I actually can't, but oh, a normal person could. It's, it's in the thousands. <laughs> the entire bill. Well, sure. Uh, went to Lotus of Siam. Four of us ate together out of a group of five that night, and uh, did the the crispy prawns remain incredible? The garlic crispy prawns, uh, cow soy top notch we also did the the duck there i had duck three nights in a row wow uh the duck there was like pretty outstanding elmer fudd over here <laughs> no he eats bunnies who's duck uh not sure okay the, that was a bad the, reference the first night's duck we uh, we went to the uh the resorts world they have an asian market where they have a bunch of like different asian spots in kind of a food court uh and that was actually i would say a little underwhelming Ah. It sounded better than it was in theory than it was, but also I was told that so we went to a different Thai place called Lamai that uh, uh, some friends of mine said was better than Lotus of Siam, and I wouldn't go that far, but I thought it was in the same ballpark. So if you can't get a reservation at Lotus of Siam, definitely Lamai is worth checking out. Uh, besides that, hit the usual spots: Tacos El Gordo, uh, very strong, uh, Lardo, and then. Bong Bar in the uh, Block 16 food court at the uh, Cosmopolitan. Usual In-N-Out pilgrimage. So you know, I'm not sure if there's anything else here I need to highlight, but uh, uh, ate well, as always, in Las Vegas. What was the winner? What was the winner from the trip? Oh, the Momofuku dinner was the best. All right. Lotus Saiyan, still number two. Damn. Okay. Yeah. It looked good. It wa- It was like... It was one of those things where I was like, I'm mad and I get it and I understand that Momofuku is not like the hot thing anymore, but also this looks fucking incredible. I mean, I did want to go back to the Major Domo Meat and Fish where I'd been last year. Where was that at? Is that in the Venetian? That was in the Venetian, but it oh. closed without really any explanation a, co- a few weeks back, so was not able to go there. <clears throat> its profits probably weren't enough relative to the cost. <laughs> oh, thanks, Ben. Thanks. You said there was no explanation. Well, I'm just saying usually just, someone will say something. Is like we talked about the Mono. There was a news story. I would probably it. assume that rent was awfully oh, high and okay. they had to bring in so many profits. Maybe they didn't have as much business as they mm. anticipated they would have. Mm. 
Very helpful. <clears throat> you said, I'm just giving you an explanation. Is that... <laughs> I think it seems pretty sound. All right, let's go to the roundup. Oh, God. We start with the Kraken. Some more. Do we have to do... Yeah. The, we have to do the Kraken. It's a There's the Mariners have won 11 games in a row, and we're talking about the Kraken. We're talking about them after the Mariners. I'm instituting a French brigade. This is the, this. I'm the chef de cuisine, and this we don't need to talk about the Kraken. Can you tell that I watched the Bear? <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. I'm excited. Heard Chef. <laughs> I know her from from Top Chef. Uh, so let's talk a little more about Shane Wright, who was the number four draft <sighs> pick last week. Uh, he had been considered the number one pick dating back to 2019 when he debuted in the Ontario Hockey League at age 15, thanks to being granted exceptional player status. Well, he was the sixth player to earn that joining a group highlighted by Connor McDavid. Was named Rookie of the Year after scoring 39 goals in 58 games, then had nine goals and five assists in the 2021 U18 World Championships at age 17, helping Canada win gold, but was then less dominant during the 2021-22 OHL season, finishing with 32 goals but 62 assists in 63 games. Was part of the all-OHL third team. Uh, I read an article by Corey Pronman on the of the athletic kind of explaining why Wright dropped after being considered the number one pick. And uh, I, I would say that the kind of the explanations that he got from scouts seemed to be everything that I dislike about the way scouting works in the NBA. There was a lot of like, Oh, he's not exciting enough to be the number one pick. Oh, he's too much of a safe pick, uh, which I feel like usually translates to people being wrong about players. Like, Obviously, I wouldn't compare him as a prospect to Luka Doncic, but it sounds a lot like when people somehow manage to talk themselves into drafting DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Begley III over Luka Doncic. So what? I just feel like okay, this is great for the Kraken. That's okay. what I'm saying. That's great. Uh, but you a, also don't know anything. You're out here as the freaking saucy A at best, and you're trying to act like like you know what's going on. I. I, I know scout talk. Oh, I don't think it's, you know that much. It's about, like if I've been I don't in, think you know about that much about hockey, chef. <laughs> this is a good personality for you. <laughs> I was waiting. We t- kept talking about restaurants, and I was waiting so long, <laughs> so long to bring this out. <laughs> I mean, you could have done it there. I had to declare declare that we were moving to a uh, <laughs> French brigade. I'll have to figure out what that is. Uh, NHL free agency opened on Wednesday. Uh, center Ryan Donato was the most notable Kraken free agent after recording 16 goals, 15 assists last season. Unrestricted after the team declined to make him his qualifying offer. Morgan Geeky is restricted. Kraken started with $22 million in cap space, have used about half of that so far. Big deal, a five-year $27.5 million contract for Colorado winger Andre Burakovsky, who had 22 goals and 39 assists last season. At age 27, more assists than any Kraken player had in 2021-22, would have ranked second in goals as part of a potent avalanche attack. Burakovsky won his second Stanley Cup, having previously won in 2017-18 with the Washington Capitals. Kraken also signed goaltender Martin Jones to a one-year $2 million deal to get some depth with uh, Chris Drieger sidelined much of the season after that ACL injury playing internationally, and defenseman Justin Schultz on a two-year, six-million deal. Both of them natives of British Columbia. Yes, Chef. All right, Sounders. <clears throat> Joel McHale also. We're getting, can we, after this pod, after the podcast, we have to talk about the bear? He's in that? I had no idea. Uh, do you know who else is, makes an appearance? No. Can we do this now and then you stick it at the end of the podcast? I, I'm probably not going <clears> to <throat> edit 
I'll probably just leave it there. <laughs> wow. The only way to make it in this podcasting business is to work three steps ahead. <laughs> There's always somebody out there who's better, faster, and stronger than you, but that's okay. Just leave it here. You're excited to cut from, corners right now. You're excited to talk about this. Like I am excited to talk about licorice pizza and you just the shut me down. It's so bad. It is such a bad movie. You're wanting to be there a pl- there to be a plot is like NHL scouts wanting. No, I don't. I want it to, to be, be more exciting. Interesting. <clears throat> I thought it was very interesting. You really, you actually truly liked Licorice Pizza. Yeah. You watched it, you were engaged by it. I did. At and then no I listened point. to three ringer podcasts about it today. It is so bad. I'm shocked to hear you say, say that. Anyway, you know who else makes an appearance in? Who's that? And I, I don't. And the bear. Are you spoiling this for me? No. I, I mean, you, you, brought, you can glance at the Wikipedia or whatever. Fair. But. There's a Burnthal appearance. Oh, yeah. You had me at Burnthal. Joel McHale didn't. I didn't have you at Joel McHale. I mean, you did also. They're, have they're me both. At Joel McHale. They're both very brief. But I, I will say, it, it is it. It is if I watched literally the entire series in one sitting. I just sat wow. and watched it all the way through. Impressive. So, anyways, the Sounders really struggling at this point. A disappointing performance on Saturday as they lost three nothing. At home to the rival, Portland Timbers went behind one nothing on a Yaroslav Nijgodis header in the 24th minute. Did have plenty of good chances to equalize in the first half, including a header saved off the line by a Portland defender. Raul Rodriguez is shot off the post and a possible penalty opportunity when Nico Ladero was taken down in the box. No call even after VAR. The game turned at the start of the second half when Jackson Reagan was sent off for the Sounders with a second yellow card. A new who handball called on VAR gave Portland a penalty for a 2-0 lead in the 82nd minute, and they added a third through Darian Esprit in the 85th minute. Much to my dismay. We were pretty curious about this, right? I was sitting right in front of John Hollinger, uh, rocking a, sound, when, a Timbers t-shirt and a hat. Every time something bad happens to the Sounders, you're right next to John Hollinger? Well, every time something good happens for the Timbers, at the very least, I'm wow. right next to John Hollinger. You might need to separate yourself from John Hollinger <laughs> a little bit here, Chef. Uh, well, fortunately, I don't. I don't anticipate that there's going to be NBA events that we'll be at together the rest of the uh, the uh, MLS regular season. It's going to be a minute. Uh, Sounders now haven't beaten Portland at home since May 2017, earning two points in their last seven home matches, including a five nothing scoreline in Portland's favor the last two years. Did technically beat Portland 3-2 at home in the 2018 MLS Cup playoffs, but that result still sent the Timbers through after penalties in the second leg that, of that, that one. That's really fun, though. At the same time, the Sounders have won the last two and five of the last six MLS regular season games at Providence Park. So I don't, I don't know what's happening that neither of these teams can win at home in derby matches. It's probably just that it's a very random sport. It's still odd for it to random randomize qu- quite this way. Uh, you're you're looking for you're like the person who's like playing fucking slot machines trying to figure it out, right? You're looking for a pattern in a place that a pattern doesn't exist. I'd say it's more like poker, where there's a lot of randomness, but over time trends do emerge. No, uh, so the sample size is what five matches or something. I mean, it's seven that they haven't beaten them in. That's a lot. You usually win, you know. I mean, you at least come away with a result in probably 60% of your home matches, 65. I don't know, something something high for the Sounders. So that's a lot. 
Uh, Sounders then lost a key match on Wednesday with Nashville, moving four points ahead in the standings with one match in hand thanks to a one nothing win in Nashville. All of a sudden, Timbers also in the rearview mirror, identical points in one more match than the Sounders have played thus far. So uh, uh, playoff chances looking a little dicey for the team that won the CONCACAF Champions League earlier this year. Sounders will wrap up their road trip Saturday in Chicago. Rel Reed Diaz missed the Nashville game, will also miss the Chicago game after suffering a minor strain to the opposite hamstring of the one that had sidelined him the previous four games. Well, Rain also hosted Portland this weekend. A slightly better result as they got a 2-2 draw on Sunday. Olivia Athens scored her first goal in her first NWSL start to equalize less than a minute after the Rain conceded an own goal to open the scoring. Hina Sugita gave the Thorns the lead back in the 60th minute before Bethany Bolser leveled things in the 81st. Uh, Rain still sitting fourth in the NWSL standings at 4-2-5. and five. Seattle Storm, second hottest team in Seattle right now after the Mariners. They've won three in a row and gone five and one since adding Tina Charles, albeit mostly against relatively weak competition. Since beating Las Vegas in Charles's debut, the last five opponents have had below 500 records. Uh, that continues Sunday, their next game, a third matchup against cellar-dwelling Indiana in the last 17 days. But the Storm boosting that that. Uh, in their case, it's point differential rather than run differential. So I don't know if there's a fun differential rhyming equivalent to point differential. Uh, but a 37-point margin in their win at Los Angeles heading into the All-Star break, the fifth largest in franchise history. And a big change at the bench lineups have been positive since Charles's arrival. So all of a sudden, I would say Storm looking like contenders in the WNBA. Hello. They started a little bit slowly, and the other thing is... God, if, if they... if they In Sue's last season, with Lauren coming back, don't get in there and win that little tiny trophy. <laughs> the, the championship trophy is, is good enough size. I've posed to it. The miniature-sized trophy. I don't know about the, the finals MVP trophy. I'll have to check out whether that's tiny or not. Uh, so I'm currently third in the standings at 16-8, and eight, two games back of the Chicago Sky, one back of the Aces for second place. Uh, which would mean potentially hosting a semifinal series nice. that could happen between those two teams. Although Connecticut's only a half game back of them. So really those four teams have kind of separated themselves from the pack. Storm two games up on Washington, uh, who's in fifth. They're going to get that Shopkins-sized trophy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last note for today. UW football. The, oh, this is not the last note oh, We're going to talk, talk Jimmy G? Oh, I, I just don't know that it's a news story. Chef de Cuisine. <laughs> You're just naming titles. I'm familiar with what Chef de Cuisine means. Yeah, that's that's the Are title you... that I've given to myself. Oh, okay. Does this mean we need to start this Seattle I Chef like series you again? Make, you make all the notes. <laughs> that's true. Uh, you know, you know, it's funny. So uh, the other place I went, by the way, was the Crack Shack. Okay. In uh, in Las Vegas, which so I had another chicken sandwich. I don't. What what is that? What is an in relation to the crack shack, egg crack. Okay, egg. okay. So it's I'm okay not with it. like all out, all out. Not like milk. It's bars. not like a like a trendy like Portland bar that all of a sudden is just like no. There's like a like like hipster like Portland bar that was just like hip hop bar or whatever. All white people with dreadlocks who made it. <clears throat> Sorry, <laughs> your extension for Dame sucked too. This is oh, wow. <laughs> Hope people nice extension. Shade nice. on Sharp, injured right away. Boom. I was very disappointed. I was looking forward to seeing him play. Uh, crack I heard Jack. a lot of really bad things about Voodoo Donut also. Their business practices. It's fine, though. 
It's a, it's a subpar state and city. It's okay. The crack shack is uh, San Diego based. Okay. But uh, all out, though. all out is in Las Vegas. Vegas. Yes. Uh, and so the, their chicken sandwiches, I would say, not on par with Mono and the Pretty Bird sandwich I had in Salt Lake City last week. Uh, but the person, one of the people I had lunch with is, so two people showed me their lists of restaurants in various cities that they want to go to. Okay. Which apparently is a thing. You know, I don't I, even I, have I that. I always think people with lists of things is like the nerdiest fucking shit. Oh, but I mean, obviously these are like analytically minded NBA I, I will, I will in this case allow it. Okay. There's a dude in the bear, which is the only thing I talk about now. <laughs> Clearly. And the Mariners win streak. Yes. Those are the two. <laughs> I'm I'm able to talk about the Mariners win streak and the, the bear. bear and how bearish you are on the Mariners. Not not I don't allow that. <laughs> oh come on. There's there's one character who's like uh like he like reads Eater or whatever and it's just like he's like the butt of the joke oh, <laughs> or no. whatever the he's like I'm a bit of a foodie myself or whatever. See, I would never, I, that's I why I would never end, use the word foodie. He he ends up he ends up being maybe slightly lovable but might might not. Uh, Get the sort of like rugged nature of the restaurant business. I, well, I don't, I don't know that we need to get the rugged Appar- nature. Of it. I was like looking at the Reddit, the bear, the Reddit, Reddit page, because there was some shit where I was just like, this didn't make any sense to me. This didn't make any sense to me. Not like, like restaurant wise. It was more just like the plot was incomplete. <laughs> and I was like, I need somebody to fill fill in what was going on here. And there were some people on there who were just like, this is like so aggressive, the restaurant world or whatever. They must have really exaggerated. And then there's people who worked in restaurants who were just like, like no, this is they exactly were just like, is. wow, the drink. I actually noted this too. I was watching. I was like, these people are not drinking constantly. <laughs> and I was like, I feel like in real life, like they would all have severe drinking problems. Every I mean, person. Fortunately, the restaurant industry is taking <clears throat> steps to combat that and the uh, the issues that alcoholism has caused within it over time. But yes, that, that is was a, not not really the vibe of it, like reason. old school Chicago style beef place. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, that that wasn't mentioned, and then the drug use piece of it, it was just like they they sort of they danced around it's it. Credited. They they it was I my comparison. They, they danced around it more than Winning Time did. Uh, I mean, they eventually had an entire subplot. I think Winning Time was... In fact, that's actually really interesting to think about Winning Time because I kept thinking about Ted Lasso where it was just like, this is a show that's like made... It is made as prestige TV for white people. And like, it hits all the points where you're just like, you know exactly what's coming and you feel good about it. And you're like, wow, there's drama and tension. This is so real. And where Ted Lasso sometimes... Ted Lasso is like the tweest fucking version of, of this, right? So sometimes they hit it with more like emotional pieces. The bears like kind of goofy sitcom trope sometimes, but they swear a lot. So you're like, well, they are swearing a lot <laughs> and sometimes it's intense, but there's really goofy shit happening every once in a while. And you're like, I, I, it's hard to kind of balance these two things happening at the same time. You're like, I can see what's going to happen in this plot. Like five episodes down. I get, I get where we're going here. You, or you whatever. see the setup. But also, I'm just like, this shit's tight. I don't even care. I watched every second of it right in a row. Fucking, can we get back to... That's what Ted Lasso and the Bear nailed, is nobody wants hour-long TV shows, except except for... What was it called? We Own the City. We Own the City. That yeah. give me 10 hours of. But, like, the, the it has to be... And it was that was only six episodes, right? That is correct. So, really, ultimately, like, we're not talking about that big of a time difference. Let's just but it's get also, it. like, how digestible it is, because it's easier to watch 12 half-hour episodes than six-hour-long episodes. Yes. 
So. These were like like 28 to I think the longest one is like 42. I also really like the non-standard times. For, yeah. It's just like you got you got shit to say. You fit it into a neat box or whatever. And then you move on to the next thing. There's another thing to tell. And that might not take as long. But Agreed. I'm so excited for you to watch it, Chef. So anyways, what I was saying <laughs> is all, this person asked me, oh, are you familiar with Addo? And I was like, well, am I? I had to let them know that sadly it's no more. But that's third Pelton brother Eric Rivera to you. <laughs> he asked about Addo? Yeah. All right, so you don't we, we never really got to like go to Addo when it was no, like that's a full what I explained, on, like, that we only had done takeout there. When they weren't even serving fish really, like it wasn't like a seafood. Is that, was that their primary thing before? I think that was the main thing that he did was a lot of seafood. Uh which is also what Locust in Nashville does. Oh, there you go. And not Sean Brock. Uh, Huskies got commitments from a pair of states that don't typically produce UW recruits. Minnesota defensive tackle Elinius Davis and Louisiana cornerback Curly Reed, the latter a four-star recruit. Hello. So the the disillusion of the Pac-12 thus far does not seem to be affecting UW football recruiting at the very least. You know what's wild is I have some takes about this too. Do you? <clears throat> uh, I are think they, Are they bear-related or these are actual takes? No, these are actual takes. I can make them bear-related. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, you know, it's like if you go to the CIA, right? Like you can go learn at like, that's the <laughs> Culinary <laughs> Institute of America. That's what we call it. People who've watched the bear. Um, <laughs> some people who've been there and familiar with it and other people who just watch a TV show. Uh, <laughs> anyway, conferences are for like, I'm trying to find the exact right word for it. Conferences are for... The quarterback from Tacoma who wanted to play in the SEC. What? That's so fucking dumb. They're for the... Partially for the person who had the list of restaurants that they wanted to go to in every single city in their pocket, but also for the, like, Seahawk fan from fucking wherever, right? Like, conferences aren't for the players. If we're being real here... Players are just showing up and playing games. You want to play games on a high level, but the amount that I think players care about conferences, I think is so minuscule to the amount that a fucking sweaty booster cares about conferences. Like those people care about it in a way that they care about it on such a longer term scale. True. Where it's like a player's just like, I want to go play with Corny Morgan. I'm going to go play with Corny Morgan. And I'm not going to worry about I want to be developed it. into an NFL player at this school exactly. that's produced a ton of NFL quarterbacks. Because guess what? You're hoping to play in the NFL a whole <clears throat> hell of a lot longer than you're planning to play at UW. And the reality is, like, I, I've I've gone through a lot of emotions about about Most of them realignment. on our emergency fund. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the water, that's the waves going Yeah, down. that's the waves. <laughs> brushing, brushing against me as I slowly walked out to sea. <laughs> 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 but you understand what I'm saying? Like yes. if you, if you connect with wh whomever it is, I, I, I'm going to say Courtney Morgan again, because it seems like a lot of people connect with Courtney Morgan. He I fucking know. left the big 10 to come work in the pac 12. Like the shit, the, the posturing we talk about this, where it's just like the, the big, big 10, 10 is in, like the real big 10, the big 10, like USC and UCLA going to the big 10 does not fundamentally change who USC and UCLA are as programs. That's it. We, we talked about this last week. Rutgers didn't become different. Nebraska didn't become different. Like, maybe... Nebraska became worse, as it turned out. 
I, I, teams have to win and lose in these games. <laughs> they have to play each other. The reality is they probably went into a place where it's like if USC and UCLA couldn't win in the Pac-12, you're going to go compete with Ohio State now and I, Michigan? No, I, I think USC would point out that they did not have Lincoln Riley as head coach. That's fine, previously. but will they have Lincoln Riley as head coach forever? Like, is Lincoln you know, Riley going to... Or no? no, is Lincoln Riley going to retire? They had Pete Carroll and they were incredible, and then Pete Carroll left. Like, yes, they have Lincoln Riley as head coach. I get that. But there's better jobs than USC, and there's an entire NFL where real coaches go. Like, if you actually want to compete at the highest level, you go, you go coach in the NFL. And if Lincoln, but if Lincoln Riley is a college coach, he's a college coach. I get that. I think he's you a know, college coach. That's fine. He's probably not a good enough coach to coach in the NFL. I mean, I'm sure he is a good enough coach to coach in the NFL, but also he doesn't have, like, Pete Carroll coached in the NFL for, he coached two NFL teams prior to USC. Pete I think it's Carroll a little different story. Is a better coach than any coach in all of college football. Like, given everything that I feel about Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll won a fucking Super Bowl. Or you're going to compare him to Dabo Swinney? Like, people go... You think he's a, he would outcoach Nick Saban given the same absolutely. resources? Nick Saban, Nick Saban has not been willing to compete at that level. He's had to cheat, basically. That's what college is. College is you want the game to be stacked in your favor. And Pete Carroll, he... he I mean, Nick Saban also didn't have the kind of personnel power that Pete Carroll got when he came to the Seahawks. If Nick Saban had had that personnel power in Miami. He might have stayed there, and he might have signed Drew Brees, and they might have won a Super Bowl. Maybe, but you understand what I'm saying about it. Like, if you want to be the best college coach, you want the the deck stacked in your favor because that's what college is, right? There's no Pete Carroll's dealing with a fucking salary cap. You think Pete Carroll didn't want to resign Richard Sherman? You know what I mean? Like Pete Carroll wanted. Yeah. Pete Carroll wanted these players to stay, but he has to deal with a salary cap. He has to make hard decisions. College football, you can just recruit the best players all the time. Yeah. And, like, it is not... Look, Lincoln Riley might be an amazing coach at USC. I think he will be. I think USC will be really, really good. But, like, is USC going to be the best team in the Big Ten forever? No fucking way. Are oh, you no, kidding? I don't the Big think Ten they... will make rules against it if USC <laughs> is that good. Like, they, they are not going to allow it. But I think that, like, if you look at it long term, assuming Notre Dame does not join the Big Ten. But we're also talking about UCLA, too. We're not just talking about USC. I, I agree. UCLA is very middle of the road in the if, Big Ten. But USC, I think. The, if UCLA you're, if you're is doing not a, middle of the road in the Big Ten. UCLA is bad in the Big Ten. They're bad average. in the Pac-12. Yes. I mean, they have. But we're talking, like, on a longer time scale. And over a longer time scale, USC is probably the third best program in the Big Ten behind Ohio State and Michigan. I don't know. Wisconsin? Like, USC's got better. I mean, Wisconsin is, has terrific history. I don't want to diminish that. But I feel like Washington, Wisconsin is more at our level, and USC is at a different level than us. Sure. So. USC has had a couple of eras of very high-level success. And they're, they're USC. I get it. I think some of those eras of high-level success included having like more Heisman Trophy winners than any other team west of the Mississippi. That's, that's pretty substantial. But... It's not exactly what I'm saying, though. It's like there's everybody shakes out. Yeah. So, but also not everybody can sign. But not everybody can sign to USC. I'm saying if you're a recruit, if you're a four-star recruit from Louisiana, and you're viewing this, you're like, sometimes I don't give a fuck if a program is going to go to the Big Ten in two years. I really think it's something. I want to go to the NFL in three years. We think about this, and people fucking post on Reddit, and there's dudes who do little clips on their phones and their cars or whatever. Who all that matters to them is these these fucking programs. That's it. 
right? There's so many people, all that matters to them is this program. We're talking about kids going and playing football somewhere, though. They don't have the history of the Minnesota Golden Gophers or whatever being like, I fucking, we won the Battle of the Oaken Bucket or whatever. Oh, these kids probably don't even remember Coach. Yeah. I don't know why that made me think of Coach, but it did. But you Minnesota understand State, what I'm saying. Screen They're Eagles. going and playing football for who they want to play football with. Yeah. And, and where they want to play football. I think that's It's your fact. life, too. Yeah. That's the other thing. Is like, if you if you can, like, go to, if you want to be in Seattle, Washington, and you want to play football, and you're a four or five-star recruit, you're going to go play for UW. Like, that's and you it. happen to host a recruiting weekend <clears throat> when it's actually sunny. I mean, they fucking cleaned up. <laughs> that weekend was they cleaned incredible. up the one weekend in Seattle. Everybody came to town. It was just like, I would have signed there too. All right. Anyway, I, I've thought a lot about this. The The amount that that conferences matter, I think, is the most exaggerated thing from... Look, media is the one who th- makes conferences matter. And who makes conferences? Media? Let me, let me, let me do my Brian Windhorst. <laughs> who does that benefit? <laughs> Media. Who? I mean, I don't know that media makes conferences important, but yes, I agree that they are a factor in media, it. Media makes the conferences. We talked about this last week. There are not conferences. There are media deals. You know, no, that part of it, yes. And who point. gives the media deals to the to the media? Like that's it's 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 a combination of an a media company and a group of media rights organizations. So who think who wants to treat conferences like they matter? But I feel like who, a lot of that who? comes from the ground up from those Reddit threads, not necessarily from the top down from from the media. Who makes recruiting matter though? Oh, that's a hundred percent. It's the fans. It's the neckbeards. That's who we're talking about here. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to say. That I nailed it. I found the right word. Um, <laughs> I found it. <laughs> Took a second. Took a second. I found it. The neck Well it's, but that's that's who cares about shit like the that's who cares about shit like the conferences on a fucking debating about it, being like, this person has to be here. I see people being like, we, when they talk about the conferences. It's just like, dog, you are getting so far away from the point right now. Like, you're a fan of Iowa. Like, just have some perspective. You are not the Big Ten, right? Like, you are a fan of a college a higher education institution that happens to be linked with a football program that is part of a media rights organization that has sold their rights to Fox. Like, just take a fucking second here when you're saying we about the Big Ten. It's like, we need to act aggressively. It's just like, you need to do nothing, Doc. What you need to do is type on your fucking computer (laughs) about the three-star recruit from Nebraska that you just signed. That's all you need to do. The Big Ten presidents do not give a shit about what you're doing. They need you. They need you because your viewership is still part of their power. I get that. But your viewership is all part of their power and as much as Fox cares. So who cares? Who promotes Who promotes this? Who benefits? I, I still... Who? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying though, right? I I agree with your larger point. This is this is why this is why you're the fucking chef de partie. It's okay. Look, just fall in line. Know your role. Understand your role. There there's people who get in, people who don't. Look, how do you think my knife skills are? <laughs> I was by the way, I was slicing some onions very thin this evening. Were you damn yeah. jealous? Yeah. My sous chef earlier when I was cooking was not great. 
<laughs> Which of your 10 to 15 children was that? <laughs> Mateo, I shouldn't have trusted him wow. with a knife, to be honest. Wow, big mistake. Any, anyway, but but that's that's all I'm saying is that I, I think if you're... Like, people treat it like it's like a coup for UW to get a four-star quarterback. It's like, okay, we have first-round drafted quarterbacks every year, so why wouldn't you want to come play at UW? Well, because the coaches who developed all those first-round drafted cornerbacks are all long gone. People want to play for Courtney Morgan. Courtney Morgan wanted to be in Seattle with Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, I mean, it's... Courtney it's Morgan been... left left the, the, the college that he went to in... The Lord's Big Ten. <laughs> Lord's Big Ten. Right? He left the Big Ten to come to, like, and, and I think I, I, the more time that passes, I think the writing is on the wall that I think the Pac-10 is going to remain as it is without the LA schools. And I think it's going to be, there'll be fluctuation long-term. I think UW and Oregon are not going to commit to anything long-term. But I think what we are going to see for the next period of time is a Pac-10, going back to a Pac-10. And that's great. I don't know if that's great. But I don't that's fucking fine. care. I don't, do you care? Not playing the LA schools is a pretty huge disappointment, yes. Whatever. It was never but like it, a... There's a lot worse outcomes. We're going to look at it, we're going to be like, hey, UCLA's 3-7 and seven in the Big Ten, and we're not going to be like, wow, sure wish we could play them. It's but play, I mean playing in LA. The one thing you lose is that's a homecoming for a lot of players. It turns out you recruit many players from Southern California, and they like being able to play at home. So Fre that will Fresno's be Fresno's not too far away. <laughs> <laughs> Fresno is actually very far away. Not LA. if you've seen the tweets from fr the Fresno State football program. Oh, well, I think they're just talking about the size of the Central Valley viewership market, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know how they're defining the Central Valley. I don't as know where that line is. As far as the tweets go, it's basically Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out the Central Valley is the nation's second largest media market. I bet they. I bet Fresno State has a more active fan base than a lot of Pac-12 schools. Oh, well, certainly Stanford uh, and Cal. Uh, okay. What, we... Oregon State, Wazoo. No, actually, Wazoo's ratings actually are quite good. It's because I mean, they're always playing at 7.30. Every fucking person who's up late or whatever, every the chef gets off their shift just <laughs> wired. <laughs> it's 9.30 Central Time. So, yeah, that, you know, that gives Eddie around 1 a.m. It makes sense. Uh, <laughs> you, you just you do family and you're just like, <laughs> I guess that's it. That's all that's left. I think the one-year sample size on TV ratings is not very useful. I, I said that I'd want at least a 10-year sample size because just whether you played in a bowl game is a huge difference there. Did Wazoo play in a bowl game? Yeah. Oh, good for them. Didn't they? No, like one, they did. no one knows because <laughs> bowl games don't matter. Oh. I've been telling you this shit forever. Bowl games do matter. It's, do they? What do, you, what do you get for that? Money. That's what this hole is. It's true. They do matter for money. Yeah. What do you think this is for? Education? No, no, no. Definitely not. It's a media rights organization. Exactly. All right, what do you want to say about Jimmy Garoppolo? Let's fucking go. Bring, I've moved on from Baker. Bring me Jimmy. Even well, better. Let's, let's be careful. Your let's go here is, is like Bob Condotti continuing to indicate the interest is only if Jimmy Garoppolo gets released by the I, 49ers. I hate being excited about things. Cause yeah. The Seahawks don't want me to be excited. You know what you should be excited about? They played in the Sun Bowl and lost. Oh, yeah. that's great. Uh, Who did they lose to? Who did they lose to?
lose to in the Sun Bowl? That is a fabulous Is that a question. Big 12 Bowl? Central Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bowl games matter. <laughs> that Did they just big like... Sun Bowl I, loss There had to be a... There was like a COVID dropout, wasn't there? And there had, was like Central Michigan's opponent got COVID and Wazoo's opponent got COVID. So they were like, well, let's just play each other in the Sun Bowl. <laughs> Uh, oh my god happy to, happy great to, times happy to know that you think that bowl games matter all of this pandemic i mean maybe nothing matters during this pandemic. tv rights matter we know that playing on tv matters yes and you get money from playing on tv that's what the whole fucking thing is i've broken it down better than anybody else has ever broken it down <laughs> wow wow you heard it right here and the I hour did, 11 mark i did the fucking i pointed all the way through for the iowa fan with their neck beard <laughs> saying we Let's be aggressive out there. I'm like, dog, you better watch your fucking back, Iowa. Uh, yes, Miami was the scheduled opponent for Wazoo. Central Michigan had been scheduled to face Boise State in the Arizona Bowl. Oh, pack, future Pac-12 opponent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got to lock down that Boise market. <laughs> this thing is like, the, it's so stupid. Like, Boise, I always actually wonder about that about Gonzaga. Like, how long, Gonzaga matters as, maybe basketball just doesn't matter. Maybe that's it. Basketball does not matter. And also market size does not matter as much in basketball as it does in football. They they might just be lucky that and that's why like whatever. Like But also Gonzaga is like something we talked about on that podcast I think two weeks ago, where there are some of these schools that yes, they're not in the biggest market, but it's so rabid for college sports. Like Birmingham, Alabama is not actually a big market, but a hundred percent of Birmingham, Alabama cares about college football and like five percent of Seattle, Washington cares about college football. I, I would still probably caution about Gonzaga, but they just don't matter. Like I th- I think they'll be fine. <laughs> no, I, I just don't think basketball They're not the, gonna get left behind because the other schools in their conference yeah, want to do something in football. None of the other literally schools play football. Never tried to compete at a high level their entire lives. I get it. They've 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 shirked the idea that they could compete with teams that actually play the sport. Well, you know who else is shirking the idea of competing? The Seahawks when it comes to their quarterback <sighs> position. That's uh, that's the that's the extent of the interest is if Jimmy G gets released, he's not going to get I mean, released. That's the implication. Yeah, the Niners I, are not. Gonna, why are we even talking about this then? I, I was, that's why I didn't have it in the notes. Wow. I mean, look. Obviously, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo is. If I if I say we're going to talk about Jimmy G in the notes, what do you say? Yes, chef. <laughs> That's what I heard you say. Yes, chef. <laughs> we talked about him now. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what the logic would be for them releasing him. Oh, the Niners are way too savvy. I was listening to, I listened to, it was Peter Schrager and Simmons, right? They're just like, the Niners want to win every single deal. They're not going to just release Jimmy G for nothing. Yeah, a quarterback who went to the NFC Championship game literally last year. I mean, this year because it was played in calendar twenty twenty two last season. Uh, did you see the PFF? Was it PFF grades for, or was it uh, ESPN grades for position groups? Uh, I believe that was PFF. We're going to save the ESPN top ten rankings for next week. Okay. Did you see those for the Seahawks position groups? I saw that they were bad. My favorite thing about Seahawks fans this offseason, which look, I I would be. It would be so easy. I would be so easy to be engaged in a thing. The Seahawks could be a playoff team. All it would take is one quarterback. I look past everything, but I love the idea that the Seahawks don't totally shit the bed in the draft and don't totally fuck up free agency. They, I, you couldn't ultimately say that they got better necessarily in either of these places, right? 
Like through the draft? It, where the Seahawks were. Like, is the roster better than it was in 2021? Yes. No, because as we've talked about, even, you know, the the best rookie left tackles are not likely to be as good as Dwayne Brown. We're judging it, honestly, like, and I, I, I think Seahawks fans are judging the process too much in this scenario. Well. If that makes sense. It, or maybe it's just we're always going to assume. Like, we've become the Jets. I, well, I mean, I, I'm telling you. Let's all remain calm. That's what I saw, though, is it was just like, hey, if we don't fuck up the draft terribly, we're like, oh, yeah, the Seahawks crushed that offseason. I mean, again, I think we're in agreement that long-term, what they did in the draft is positive. It's just the draft is unlikely to affect your your fortune the upcoming season, particularly at left tackle, which is the position they drafted in the first round. It's like one of the slowest slowest developing positions. They also drafted a running back with their third pick. That is correct. Like, as excited as we might be about fucking Tariq Woolen or whatever, like this idea that just like, oh yeah, the Seahawks didn't have the worst offseason. Sure, they traded Russell Wilson, but they drafted Charles Cross and Tariq Woolen. I mean, look, if Tariq Woolen plays as a rookie, it's probably not a good sign, all things considered. That's that's my like favorite thing about about how like like I saw Ben on Ben Rodriguez on Twitter just being like, no dog, it was they traded Russell Wilson, it was the worst offseason. People still come at Barnwell for that. Just like I don't really know how you can view this any other way. How yeah. you can view the offseason any other way than the worst in the NFL. I mentioned on Twitter, saw that Russell Wilson jersey in the Cosmopolitan on last Friday, and it was like, oof, that was a gut punch. <sighs> well, but as a reminder, the Mariners have won 11 yes! consecutive games. There we go. Why are we finishing on this low wow. energy? That's what we're talking about. Julio Rodriguez is the most important. The, the good thing about Russell Wilson being traded is he fucking cleared it out for Julio. He cleared it out for Julio to be the most important athlete in the city of Seattle, and that's who Julio is. And in his rookie year, the Mariners have won 11 games in a row. As a rookie, he's doing something Ken Griffey Jr. as a rookie could not do. He I could mean, not never, leave the Mariners. It never happened in Ken Griffey Jr.'s entire Mariners career that the team won 11 games in a row. Well, he did. I'm saying leaning the team in the playoffs, but... Ken Griffey Jr. did lead the team in the playoffs, but it took a miraculous streak at the end of a season to take that team to the playoffs. And this time we got the miraculous streak in the middle of the season. But it doesn't even feel like, it doesn't feel fluky. That's the thing. You look at this and you can't say, like, they're getting lucky. This isn't, they're not, they're not getting by with one run wins. This is a good team. I agree. Marco Gonzalez, like, you look at his ERA, I haven't looked at his advanced stats, but... Looking at his ERA, which is like 3.3 something, and then I saw his record was 5-9. and nine. <laughs> I was like, damn. Like, this team can fuck, they can pitch, and the hitting is starting to happen, and that's a playoff team right there. So, on, on that note. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Yes, Chef. How many wins do the Mariners need to have in a row for you to change the intro music to smooth... <laughs> by Carlos Santana featuring Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20. How many wins in a row do the Mariners need for just one episode, one ep- an emergency pod? If they get to 15, if they match the 2001 streak, we'll do it. Okay, this is on record. This is on quote. The Mariners get to 15 wins. The The next Pelton cast, the intro music, will be smooth by Carlos Santana featuring Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20. And then I'll edit in the lyric played by <laughs> Carlos Santana. You're going to do that. That's You said it. I didn't say it. Okay, thank you.
Thank you for putting this on record.